Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mark Healy is from Oahu, Hawaii. And uh, you probably know Mark Healy. He's very famous for surfing, big wave surfing, spearfishing. Uh, he's also one of the co-founders of ProTech, a new supplement company. But Mark's also a hunter. He's a big bow hunter. He got introduced to bow hunting by Shane Dorian and Dave Wassel. And really, I just wanted to have him on. He's a, he's a big name, big influencer, loves to hunt both under the water and above the water. And I just wanted to have a good, genuine conversation about his ethos around hunting, how he got into hunting, just a general good conversation about hunting. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Better Wi-Fi, different location. Wi yes. It still looks like it's bloody sunny in Hawaii, though. It is, and I actually did not make it home because my friend wanted to take his, his <laughs> daughter surfing for the first time, so we stayed longer, but they promised me good Wi-Fi. Oh, man, it's uh, absolutely good Wi-Fi, and 
it's that time of the day. You're not drinking water and hydrate anymore, but uh, drinking liquid gold, I see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on vacation. Well, cheers. Cheers to your vacation. Cheers to you props, man, to uh, having a podcast on vacation. I love it. <laughs> I'm always technically on vacation, but not really. No, we're always working. I just try to, I try to act like it's that way. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Mark Healy, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. I know a lot of people uh, may not be familiar with who you are. Um, who's Mark Healy? Well, um, 41 years old, so I'm not a spring chicken. I have uh, been born and raised on Oahu in Hawaii. Uh, been a professional surfer, like more specifically big wave surfer it's like a subcategory i guess within surfing everybody has a specialty but i've been doing that since i was 17 years old still doing it getting amongst it and uh yeah i've been spearfishing and free diving my whole life too so that's been a big part of everything and um i've been bow hunting for probably like 12 years and absolutely love it and i do stunt work so I do a few months a year of stunts. You know, it's funny. I, um, I, I've almost fallen in love with people from Hawaii and your sort of attitude about how you engage nature and wildlife and the habitats and, and all sorts of things. And one of the things that sort of resonated in my brain was I had a conversation with Makua Rotham like three years ago, four years ago. I grew up with him. And um, Makua was one of, the pl one of the guys that Jason Hairston introduced me to. I don't know if you ever got to meet Jason Hairston, Mark. Did you meet Jason? I did not. No, no, I, I didn't. So Jason was an amazing individual in that, you know, there's a lot of, I'm sure you've, you've felt it as you've engaged through ProTech a little bit. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of egos in the hunting industry. There's a lot of egos in the community and there's a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of walking. Um, and Jason Hairston was almost like the opposite. He was the like, Hey Robbie, I'm going to introduce you to this person, this person, this person, this person. And he did it. And one of the people he introduced me to was Makua. And when I had an initial conversation yep. with Makua, he said, you need to come to the islands because we are the best hunters from the mountaintops to the sea floors. It's a, it's definitely an integrated life over here. I don't know if I'd throw best on anything because uh, you can't really gauge it. But uh, you know, we have we have all of that available, and that's it's it's culturally ingrained. And that's the way the Hawaiians ran their systems. They ran it through the Aha system. So uh, every district was broken down from. A mountaintop or the source of where the fresh water was coming all the way to the ocean and it was managed as such so that's what determined any kind of boundaries and rules because they realized that it's all it all has to be looked at holistically mm. to uh, maintain it and uh, maintain, maintain resiliency and food security mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's exactly what Bakua said it's almost when you refer to that mountains to the sea mentality, it's because of it, it was the it was the division of land like you own from the bottom all the way to the top, 
It was all connected, all all one essentially. Yep, and it was uh, certain people had certain roles back then. Uh, you know, there's fishermen, there's farmers, there's warriors, there's everybody in between, whether it's priests or or the the, the arts <laughs> things like that, craftsmen. Um, everybody had a role within that system. Is when when people think about Mark Healy, is big wave surfing like the thing that you're known for, Mark? Is that the thing that you that got known for in terms of your name? Probably. Um, it depends where where I'm at. Like if I'm in California, that's probably the case. Or in Hawaii, it's I don't know. It's kind of maybe big waves and the the spearfishing aspect seems to pop up a lot. Um, but yeah, it, dep- it depends where I'm at in the world, to be honest, and what, what their focus is. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting in that. <laughs> Were you born and raised in Hawaii, Mark? Yep. Born, born here. Entire life. My dad grew up here. Um, so yeah, I got some, some history. So if if you were born in Hawaii, Mark, it, was there a, a conscious decision by you to say, I'm going to just focus like on spearfishing and almost like the terrestrial hunting was something that came later? Well, it was, uh, I was spearfishing and surfing whether I liked it or not <laughs> from a very young age because my dad just brought me around to do the things that he loved doing. So, um, yeah, even before I could be in the water without a life jacket on, he threw a life jacket on me and I was holding onto the buoy and just getting dragged around with all the fish hanging off of it and watching him spearfish. And, uh, that, that was daddy daycare and, uh, it would take me surfing and, and all of that. But on Oahu, it's, it's mostly, we got pigs and goats and most people hunt with dogs, um, for pigs over here so it's not like some of the outer islands where you you know you have deer wild sheep stuff like that so the outer islands are really where like it's hunting is more so deeply ingrained in those places and not to say that it isn't on oahu but uh yeah i was just i was i was in the ocean all the time so that was our life like we never bought fish or anything mm. It'd be so foreign for me to think of buying fish. I was the guy selling the fish. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but but red meat or the other white meat, stuff like that, that was either uh, being bought from a store or getting it from friends. So it wasn't until later in life that I started asking some questions and and getting interested in getting it myself. Mark? You know, it's funny you say that about Oahu and sort of pig hunting, culturally pig hunting with dogs. I've heard from other Hawaiians that hunting like on the mainland, on, on, on the terrestrial land, it, it's not really a culture of, how do I say this? It's not really a culture of adventure, lifestyle, like you live and breathe the stuff, but rather it's like a necessity. Like we're gonna go and we're gonna we're gonna go take you know we're gonna go grab some pigs because we wanna we want the meat we want for the cookouts and stuff is that am I am I wrong or what what are your thoughts there? 
I, I would say, I mean, the places that I'm fortunate enough to hunt on the, the continent, I've, I've met so many people that that is their lifestyle and, and that's what they do and they're subsistence hunters. But there's definitely, if you're going to throw a ratio out of subsistence to recreational, you can make that differentiation. Like, you know, I'm going to get caught in the weeds on that. But uh, just as, just to move the conversation forward, if we'll go with that, um, Hawaii is, it's, it's heavily skewed towards subsistence, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Could, could you say the same thing about spear hunting or spear fishing? Sorry. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is a it's a Pacific Island culture. If you go anywhere else in the the Pacific and in Polynesia, that's the way it is. It's you know we eat a lot of fish that people never considered eating. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, that looks like an aquarium fish. <laughs> you know, uh, it's there's so many things on the menu. It, it depends uh, what you feel like eating and what you're capable of getting. Um, so it, it still has that almost like, you know, if you, you say, if you're on the continent and you go to like a Chinatown or something like the, or little Vietnam or whatever part of town that has a lot of, um, different Asian culture still intact, you know, they eat a wide, a much wider variety. Um, and that's kind of the way it is here because it's still close to, it still has echoes and a connection to how things used to be. Mark, did you, would you consider yourself still a subsistence spear fisherman or would you be more of a recreational spear fisherman today? Oh, it's definitely subsistence. I'm lucky enough to, to be able to, to, I guess, meld some things. Like I can create some content sometimes, you know, for a YouTube channel or whatever, but it's definitely subsistence. Like, in between swells, so this is our main northern hemisphere swell season. Okay. So Hawaii is bombarded with big surf. But if there's a little gap, I'm getting out because I want to get fish. I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to go, even if it's only for an hour, right before dark. You know, I'll go out, pretty much, jump in from the beach in one of the waves where we surf regularly and go shoot a couple of fish and and bring it home. It's it's funny if you had asked me, Robbie, what would you guess Mark's response to that question to be? I would have I would have guessed recreational, and the reason being is this: it's almost like in the hunting world. For an, I'm going to try and use this analogy in the hunting world, when you first start hunting, you're interested in it from a subsistence perspective, then you're interested in, in, in shooting or killing as, as many animals as possible, then you're interested in getting the biggest animal possible, then you sort of evolve into this like, oh, I'm doing it for the right reasons now, there's a conservation aspect, there's introducing your kids to it, bringing more people into the fold. And I guess I just had this sort of thought and sort of analogy that this, the same thing would be happening in spearfishing in terms of like, your progression from a from an underwater hunting perspective. I, I I think you hit the nail on the head pretty well right there. Um because you know when you're you're young you're you're still you're testing yourself. You're and those benchmarks that you go for is like that that more difficult to get fish. That's the special fish. Or it might even be quantity of fish. Um 
which was definitely the case. Thank, thank God my dad was like, no matter what you kill, when I was a little kid with a three-prong going around just slaughtering a bunch of stuff, he's like, well, you got to clean it and you got to cook it and eat all of it. So I learned real fast the things that I just don't want to deal with anymore because the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm definitely well within the latter part of that process of like, I'm happy to get um, get food. I'm I still like want to push and and better myself, but I'm not going to take more than I need, and um, more so I I'm happy with sharing it with uh, the next generation and maybe giving some insight based on experience to fast forward their progress in a responsible way. Are your kids doing what you did, hanging out in the buoy with all the fish connected to the buoy? As dad spearfishing? Uh, my, my daughter's three and a half years old. Okay, no, so definitely she's still a bit not young. <laughs> I, I get her diving. But but I definitely will not be doing that. Because you know how many times I've had big tiger sharks freaking take all my fish <laughs> off there? I was like, holy shit, dad. I could have just gotten bit in half by a 12-foot tiger any second there. Um, so, yeah, I've seen enough to know that it might not be the best idea i'll keep her a lot closer than my dad did <laughs> that way <laughs> yeah it's uh it's quite it's quite funny when you think back on the things that your dad made you do or um the situations he put you in it's it's pretty you know my dad the same way man yeah exactly it, you know i feel like we're probably similar in age and uh we were we're at the edge of a bubble of how parenting worked for the most part. Oh, I remember, Um, I remember him coming in. We would be, I was heavy into scouts growing up and scouts was on a Friday night. So we'd finish at like 1230 at night after building shit and doing all sorts of stuff. And, uh, he would kick the bed at like six o'clock in the morning or six 30 in the morning. And he'd be like, you're sleeping your life away. Get up. We got to mix some concrete outside. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah that that was that was it um i mean they they grew up a lot harder mm-hmm. than we did we were at we're at the edge of it like i said like it's funny when you tell stories to friends and stuff like that and there's younger younger guys around and they start looking at you with this like stare of shock like oh that's not normal anymore i guess yep yep no my I, my, I don't know. My, I guess things have changed. Yeah, my friends would not, even to to this day, they know or remember, they didn't want to come over to the house because as soon as they were there, they would be put to work. Yep. Yep. That would happen. And I had my other buddies, we just knew never go by their house because we're going to get pushed into manual labor for a whole Saturday. <laughs> And just disappear. Like, let's go hiking and shoot some birds with a pelican and try to eat them. Yeah, yeah. Or go go diving or go surfing all day. Just don't go home. Mark, was there a reason why your dad didn't sort of land hunt? Well, it was just, uh, it was just like everyone's hunting with dogs, you know. Um, uh, that's a very involved process. That's that's kind of like a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Like you gotta keep all these dogs around, keep them fed, and everything. Um, 
Yeah, he's every day. And I'll, I honestly wouldn't be surprised because my dad's a hard ass. And he'd be like, no more pets. No. And then, you know, mom brings home some fucked up stray animal. And next thing, he's the one taking the best care of it and everything. <laughs> so who knows? There might be some like soft spot down there. Uh, I don't know. It's still a mystery to me. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what I chalk it up to. So you clearly um, got introduced to hunting. And not just any hunting, specifically bow hunting. What what did you say? Twelve years ago, just as you were getting into late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah late twenties is when I got into it. What made you decide to get into it? It was just a and bunch of buddies that were doing it. And you're like, mm, I think I should try that. Well, it yes, but I remember the first first time I went to Yellowstone. I so I, the, a girl I was dating at a, at the time, her dad lived up in Montana, and he was like, "Hey, come up here and come fly fishing if you want." And it was a phase of my life when I was get was into fly fishing, and so I was doing surf stuff. So I I'd spend time in Southern California, so I caught a greyhound up to Bozeman, which I didn't realize. I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I I grew up on an island. This would be a good like Americana experience. It fucking sucked." It took like 35 <laughs> hours to get there. You know, I was just trying not to get robbed with every... Yeah, I'm sure the clientele off. on the bus was Any- just spectacular. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I went up there, and then we did a drive through Yellowstone one day, and I saw elk for the first time. And it's the weirdest thing, man. It's like, I don't know, some people, I, I guess, just have this old gene in them or something. When I saw elk, I was like, one day. Like it, it like stirred something inside of me. I was like, I want to hunt one of those with a bow and arrow. So that was always there. But had you had that like stirring before about any animal? Well, I hadn't seen a, a large like terrestrial animal in the wild like that before. Like mm-hmm. it, it, to see it in real life, it just I don't know. It's it it, it just teased something off. It's almost like a a a dog when you you know, take some chew toy and squeak it in front of it. <laughs> and uh, so I always had that in there. And then uh, I was actually in the Tuamotu's uh, spearfishing. And I had just watched that documentary, Food Food Inc., I think it's the name of that documentary. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so it really made me question. I was like, oh, man, I've never bought fish. We always knew what we were eating and i have this giant blind spot with the the red meat protein that i eat anyways i'm in tuamotu's spearfishing uh a, a buddy owns a pearl farm where's the tuamotu's uh it's in french polynesia that's kind of what okay. i would do my whole surfing career right i i'd get a trip paid for to go down to do a surfing thing and then i'd stay like another two weeks and just explore and go spearfish and do things like that so I end up linking okay. up with these these great people out there, and uh, my friend stayed for a few days, and I was like, you know what, I'll just, yeah, you know, I was single, I didn't have any responsibilities and stuff. I was like, hey, is it cool if I just hang out for a long time? They didn't speak a, a lick of English, and my French is awful, and uh, but I could communicate perfectly with my buddy who is my age, who is the son in the family, when we were in the water. 
because he knew fish and he knew diving. Like we could communicate like we've been mm-hmm. diving for years. Like one of my close buddies that I do with. So we'd just go spearfish all day and get fish for the place. I'd sweep the floor and clean the dishes at night because they ran a little uh, like pension, like bed and breakfast thing. But I remember one night I could tell the dad was kind of getting irritated that I was probably felt I was freeloading, put me to work and everything. And, and then he was like, oh, kind of like hand signals, help me with dinner. So we went and caught this rooster that was running around and boiled water, poured it over it. Yeah, obviously after it was killed pluck it i'll pluck it and make it and i just remember seeing this meat off of this rooster and being like oh that doesn't look anything like the chicken i know mm-hmm. and it made me wonder are my expectations of meat completely unrealistic do i want like do i i've never wanted to participate in a industrial factory farm system um i think it's it's cruel to animals and i I do have respect for animals even though i hunt them and eat them um and just from the health aspect so that really made me continue to ask questions about that and then uh two of my really good buddies dave wassell and shane dorian who are both big wave surfers got fell head over heels for bow hunting and i just hear the way they talk about it i'm like man, really, is it that much of, like, a challenge and a rush and everything? And they kept telling me, and they kept trying to get me into it, get me into it. And finally, I was like, man, I've been in some some of the craziest situations of my life with these guys, and I and I know how they operate, and I know what they're into, and I know they can handle, handle themselves. There must be something to this. Mm-hmm. And so Wassel took me um, up in a stand, on the east side of Wahoo, uh, where pigs are coming by, and it's all good, all good. And then as soon as that that animal comes out, that boar, and you're faced with the decision of taking its life and the repercussions, and you're going to take ownership of this process from the beginning to the end, it it's just not something you can simulate in your mind. You can't imagine it. It's, it's something that you have to experience. And, uh, ever since then I was hooked. Mark, obviously you'd seen a bunch of pigs prior to that hunt that you're sitting in the stand and waiting kind of deal. What do you think? Why do you think your, your reaction was so different between seeing pigs on the highway or driving around Oahu to this experience where it's probably the 10,000th pig that you've seen, but something was different. Because it's real. It's a, it's a, everything's stripped away. It's a primal, primal interaction that's about to happen. What I, it's the only way I'd liken it. It's like, it's when, the guy who's been picking on you in school the whole time, you finally stand up for yourself. And then it's like, okay, well, when school gets off, I'm going to have to fight this guy behind the bleachers. And it's that like lead up to like, okay, there's going to be a crowd. I got to go throw down with this guy. And uh, it's almost that same feeling of, of adrenaline and it's just raw and real. And I've just always been attracted to like raw life, what it is without the facade of convenience and what it 
what the human experience is and try not to shy away from it. Do you get those same adrenaline dumps, the same like life feeling, spearfishing, big wave surfing? I would assume so, right? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but I've been doing both so long that uh, I it, it's like it, it fills my cup. It makes me satisfied. It's it's me doing what I do. It's me being myself. Um, I don't know. There there's still an edge to bow hunting that that's a little bit different, as far as I can say. It's it's like early days of spear fishing for me when I was younger and getting out into the bigger bigger fish and deeper water. You know that that feeling of pushing the edge of what's wild to you. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a good uh, way to explain it. So do you live now, Mark, would you say that the the red meat that's in your house, is that meat that you have yourself harvested, taken, killed? Yes. <clears throat> for sure, for the most part. Every now and then my wife wants to eat a steak. We'll go get a grass-fed steak from Kualoa Ranch or something. Mm-hmm. But... um. By far, it's uh, it's axis gear and elk because they they yield on an elk every September. I've been fortunate enough to be successful um, for some years now, and uh, that's two hundred pounds of meat. Hundred percent. It's going to last a family a good amount of time. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it'll get us through a year. Yeah, I came back from uh, our mutual friend's place in in southern Colorado, Trinchera. And I was lucky enough to take a cow elk there. And um, I got home and I thought I'd calculated my freezer space correctly. And I was left. (laughs) Looks like you're buying another one. (laughs) Oh, the ice cream fridge became full of elk meat. The ice cream had to go somewhere else. And then I I was left with probably a good 60 pounds of one hind quarter. And I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm done. I have no more space. <laughs> and I had to buy a new freezer. And oh yeah. Unbelievable. I'm on two now. <laughs> we try to get the turnover a bit better. But still I we I'll I'll get uh wild sheep. So it's like uh in Hawaii you can hunt mouflon, you can hunt the, the ferals, feral sheep. Um, and then there's hybrids in between the two. So you have sheep sometimes. I'll do one or two hunts like that a year. Um, but yeah, it's basically access to your elk, occasional sheep. I got to do a mountain goat hunt, so we had that mountain goat for a mm-hmm. while. Uh, but yeah, that's like well done. Mark, you're obviously a very well-known name, very well-recognized individual in the surf community. Um, have you found anybody in that community that's like, if you're talking about hunting, they're like, mm, that's not, that's, you know, they've got a negative perception maybe around hunting? Not guys from white. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, it's more so like some of, some of the people that are potentially in the industry and are, are just super passion forward type of dudes that are maybe running some of the 
some of the design parts of the department or something. Not to say anything that like a lot of guys are into it, but I I think I think that uh, there's just a lot of interest in it, and uh, it's great to see because because I think there's a part of people who are attracted to surfing uh, that that kind of want to take a different route in life. You know, surfing's a completely unproductive activity, and the only productive aspect of it is the joy that it brings you so it, it i think it's a little bit of a filter right off the get-go mm. uh and people are a bit more open to it and i don't blame people for being apprehensive about killing a mammal it is different it's not like killing a fish when you when you have to dress the animal out it's hot inside and or you watched it die mm-hmm. um it can be intense and it's still for me it's i'm not callous to it it definitely it affects me i'm i take care of animals i love animals i have a ton of different kinds of animals and uh i think that that's what adds to the pressure of the experiences that i so badly don't want the animal's last part of its life to be uh extended suffering and i think that's probably more so the pressure with hunting than anything else for me no i totally agree with you i think i think that shows more of someone who's a hunter that's worried about the suffering and the sort of the ethic of the shot um and i think it's something we 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 often shy away from from a hunting community and and talking about it and i think just writ large i think we 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 don't we don't talk a lot about the deeper, the deeper whys behind. Yes, it's procuring meat, but then there's, there's all little bits and pieces. Like to to that whole like, you know, when that animal comes out and the the adrenaline dump and the heart rate spikes and you being as nervous as anything. But why? Like, why are you so nervous? And to your point, it's because you want to do the right thing. Number one, number two, you don't want to disappoint and. and I'd love to hear your thoughts here, but you're obviously, when you go hunting, you spend a lot of time away from your family and you've built up this expectation essentially of like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. And yes, hunting by definition has failure built into it, Mark, but there's an expectation of success. And if you don't have that, well, thankfully that expectation, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Well, thankfully, that expectation was set pretty early on because my wife was with me on all. I pretty much learned how to properly hunt, bow hunt on Lanai. And I must have spent, oof, I probably spent three weeks of my life. Bow hunting? Yeah, dark to dark to dark without killing anything. Like, I'm like, honey, and she's dropping me off on the side of the road. I tuck and roll out of the car at 4 a.m. She doesn't see me till 9 p.m. She might get a text. I'm like, oh, I'm tracking the thing. Might be late. Sometimes I'll come back at 1. But it, I just went trial and error, man. <laughs> it, it took a long time for me to find success. And, and you realize a lot, of, a lot of that is learning an area and learning the animals. Um where you know i was like you know hunt in the mornings was set up in the wrong place 
And then I would just crawl all day through thick bushes. And it took me a while to finally realize I will never get them in certain bedding areas. I'd just be pulling them out all the time. And uh, yeah. So anyways, that expectation for my wife, she already knows. It's brutal. Mark, if if there's, you know, if there's young surfer listening to this, like, you know, we've we've posted this podcast. There's a bunch of young surfers that follow you. Um, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe Healy's actually a hunter. W- what do you say to those young kids? <clears throat> I would I would say my view on things is to you have to set a foundation for yourself of independence to be able to make the right decisions to be yourself and to operate in a way that you see as moral in life when you're leveraged and you're dependent on an outside system it's a much more difficult to be yourself so if i don't have to worry about a grocery store or a government for my food i know myself and my family will always be taken care of so i have that that base human foundation of okay security i can always fall back on that it it just it allows you a lot more freedom and it it makes you ask a lot of questions about why do we live in such a convenient society is this convenience always to my benefit is it always to the benefit of everybody else around us um and you know whether you're male or female i i I think that that translates across those gender lines. But for me, in the way I was raised, is if you're a man, you're a protector and a provider. You have to be strong enough on your own, not only take care of yourself, but take care of other people. And being able to eat and eat in a healthy way is the baseline of that foundation. Mm -hmm. And to you, hunting is the mechanism by which you can fulfill that role. Yes. Yes. To, to Just to know. And even if it's not something that you get into forever, I think it's a healthy experience because you're never going to look at a, a piece of red meat that ends up on your plate the same way again. You're probably not going to eat half of that steak at the restaurant and just walk away from the table you're going to realize that there's a cause and effect, there's consequences to how that got there. And it makes you start asking questions. And in this this world that we live in now, there's so many curtains or veils in between us and where things come from mm-hmm. that you have all these people that are, they know something's wrong. And you're seeing this happening a lot, but how they're how they're lashing out against it or trying to make a difference it's it's like a you know coyote fighting a tree you know kind of like you're chasing chasing shadows mm-hmm. we're all part of we're all part of the problem and we're all part of the solution and once you realize that just your day-to-day habits you're supporting certain things you know whether you're supporting things that destroy the world that we the environments that we live in through factory farming and stuff like that. Like I'm just as guilty as anybody else, you know, um, as far as 
growing up and getting stuff from the store you don't know where it came from is it like south american factory farm beef or whatever it is it's um it's having that perspective and i kind of i kind of say like having one hunting experience as far as food is concerned it's like if you're in death valley and you had to navigate and gauge distance in death valley which is just a flat plane as far as the eye can see all you'd have to have is one telephone pole that's 40 feet tall anywhere in that valley and all of a sudden you can gauge where you're at by how small or how big that pole is how far away it looks your your ability to have perspective is so much greater and i think if you have one hunting experience you your ability to have perspective on your habits and the food that you eat and what it truly costs to get that to your plate is going to totally change yeah, I I couldn't have said it better myself, man. It's you know hunting. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we've been painted into this into the sort of corner that the only thing that is associated with hunting is this this the idea of the action, the kill. There's there's so much more beyond it, right? There's so much more to why we do what we do, and you just articulated essentially your why for what you do. You don't just go want and slaughter. And I think the example that you gave, there's two that I really like. One, what you said was, how many times have we had a steak either bought from the store or at a restaurant that you left half of it? Or you left a quarter of it? And and I'm not bad-mouthing like the cattle industry. I know great ranchers and and everything i'm just saying in the perspective you just don't know where that came from you don't know what the process was like something had to die for that to get to you and i i've often looked at it like i know like say in a professional life i'll have so much more respect like if i was going to get fired or canned or dropped for the person that comes and tells me that face to face, as opposed to somebody who just sends you an email, I—that's the man I want to be. And if I'm going to be the one, if if I want to live up to that, I want to do it face to face. I want to. To me, that's a show of respect. Not everything is going to go the way you want it to. Some there's some harsh realities in life, but at least I'll show the respect to be able to do, go and do it myself, instead of outsourcing it. Yeah, and you have much greater respect for that animal that you've taken, that you've brought back to the house, that you have on your plate and you've cooked it. And it's like, why would I throw this away? There's no way I'm throwing this away. I'm going to keep it for leftovers for the next five days or six days, you know? Oh, completely. And it's not even just the hunt. It's how much like care you've done in the field with the meat and the processing and the the hoops you jump through to make sure it stayed cold the whole time and getting it from point A to point B. And there's so much work that went into it that even, even if you didn't have that perspective of just wanting to do an animal justice, just the sheer amount of work you put into it, you wouldn't want to do it. You wouldn't want to throw it away. Yeah, one of the other things that is almost just hilarious to me is you know, Mark, you've gone, you've spent a lot of money. Uh, you went and got this elk or axis deer, time away from the family, whatnot. Per sort of dollar cost per ounce, those 
those pieces of meat are quadruple, maybe even sometimes tenfold the cost per ounce of beef that comes out of the grocery store. Agree? I think, well, for Axis Deer, for me, it's definitely cheaper. Like, much, much cheaper. Um, oh, okay. I think for elk, it's probably... But it's probably... Say, okay. So if I'm going to do now September Now, you're factoring elk, all your flights. You're factoring yes, in the cost I'm, of the bow. You're factoring everything in, right? Shipping, yeah. I, I think it's it's almost a break-even. Like, 200 pounds of... Yeah. Yeah, it's more expensive for elk. But for me, it's inter inner island ticket. It's going to be 200 bucks. I'm going to go crash on a French friend's couch or be sleeping in the dirt. And, uh, you know, I kill two deer. A buck, I'm usually going to get 60 plus pounds if it's a bigger bodied buck. And a doe, I'd say 50, solid 50. Um, if I field dress it and not take it back and hang it up um so that's okay we're looking at a hunt right around 115 pounds of meat in one trip like what what does that price tag look like and that's some of the best most nutritious mm -hmm. meat that you can ever get mm -hmm. so i don't well, know look, i think the I'm one doing, thing I... I think i'm winning on the price point on that one <laughs> yeah no and, and and the thing is i think unfortunately I like it when people kill my analogies. And Mark Healy, you just killed my analogy. Thank you. I'm going to have to look Sorry. for something else. Um, because this is what I was about to say, is that when I factor in the cost of, because I'm not a bow hunter, I, what people say to me, they're like, do you bow hunt? I said, yes, I bow hunt. I am not a bow hunter. I just have, I do not put in the time. I am a boomstick kind of guy. I like my rifles. That's what I like. But I have good meat in my freezer that's, you know, nil guy and all the rest of it that to me is pretty expensive. And I'll give it away for free. I will give it yes. to my friends. I will give it to my family. But I will not go to the grocery store and buy a cheaper cut of meat, like a ribeye mm -hmm. or something like that, and give the ribeyes away. I've never heard anyone do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely a different experience and different perspective when, when you go and get that. And like you're saying, I, I share it with the people around me and every single person is extremely grateful for getting it because it's, it's, there's a big barrier to access with that kind of meat. That's right. That's right. Well, look, and, Mark, and was, for, to the bow hunting part, sorry, I was going to say, yeah. Because Hawaii, it's, it's islands. It's, you know, there's big country places, obviously, and there's definitely rifle hunting, but you can hunt small pieces of land in Hawaii, and it's mostly private. So bow hunting opens so many more opportunities to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's like from a practicality standpoint, location specific, that's one of the things that's, that's a big bonus for bow hunting. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm certainly endeavoring to become a better bow hunter. I did it this weekend at Winter Strong. I pulled out my bow. I shot my bow a lot. And uh, I just need to keep at it, essentially. Um, but Mark Healy, thank you, man. I, um, 
Number one, I will say this. I will say thank you for you've you've got a very loud voice in your community, in your in your spear fishing and surfing community, and you don't have to show them that you're a hunter, but you do. <laughs> no, I don't. Believe me, there's plenty of people that tell me. <laughs> but you know, I I truly enjoy that. I I feel like I have to call the herd every now and then. So it's like obviously like Instagram's a big one. And uh, you see the certain things will happen. Certain people will post something, something I've done. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I got like 8,000 more followers today. And it, it is honestly like one of my greatest joys to be like, okay, thought experiment. Let's throw an L card up there. Do you have any follow me? <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be like, boom, lost 4,000. Okay, didn't need you around anyways. <laughs> But it's like I don't know. It, it 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 doesn't have to be gory and it doesn't have to be gruesome. That's right. But I think this whole like hiding from reality and 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 living some fake life and not talking about what actually happens and what goes into the living life and doing the things that that you're a part of. I I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. So yes, I uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> no we appreciate you and appreciate you know just being honest and, and showcasing who you are and and opening up the dialogue to people that may not understand and yes people will unfollow because they don't understand but there's there's certainly i think from my experience a lot more individuals that see that and go hmm if healy's doing it maybe i need to look into this you know just like you said like dorian was doing it and wassel was doing it and you're like hmm maybe i should look into this Yep, that's how I got into it. So, and it's something that's such a special part of my life that's never going to go away. As long as I have the physical ability to do it, I will be doing it. And um, and it's something that's very special to me. So, if you know, I have a five thousand person exodus from my Instagram, it's not that big of a deal. If if there's somebody who got introduced to something that's going to be meaningful to their life and makes them a more capable and effective person for their loved ones that's worth it to me 100 percent. well said well said thanks healy much appreciate you my man i appreciate it thanks for uh, all you're doing to uh to back up uh hunting and hunters and have these conversations that a lot of people are unwilling to have yes sir that's what we're built for all right man you have a good one yes sir well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.